Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We'll check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. It is time for Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman as we dig into finding hope from brokenness to restoration. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. It is a new chapter in Finding Hope today as we continue our conversation on messes in community. Today, we're taking a look at connection and belonging. So uh, terms to define today. Mm-hmm. Why do I feel like I'm in class now? <laughs> A little bit, right? A little bit. Yeah. Um, belonging <laughs> is our word for today to define. Mm-hmm. How would you define belonging? Do you have one, two, three, or five definitions <laughs> today? I like to let... The complicated truths be complicated truths. So, <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so I have two, and um, holding membership or entitlement within an organization or group, and we'll come back to that one. Holding membership or entitlement within an organization or group, and then um, a sense that we are in this together. I, can you always tell the difference between the Heidi definitions? <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> There's yes. like my yeah, my Enneagram seven comes out sometimes in my definitions. I think a sense that we are in this together, that you are not alone, that in your hour of need or joy, your people will show up for you and you will show up for them in theirs. Um, so, yeah, I think one of the questions that you guys had sent me that I thought was really helpful and I probably should have like sent a, a note back that telling you I was going to ask you this, but is what oh, no. does, oh, I know no. watch out. What does belonging look like is what can help us, I think, in understanding those definitions a little bit better. So I was wondering, when you think of the word belonging and a sense of belonging in your own life and that we're in this togetherness, uh, are, are there any like memories that come to mind for you guys or any pictures that come up? Oh, man, it's been a while since since Heidi asked Andy and Sarah questions. It has been. I know this one just begged it. I couldn't help myself. I don't. I don't know if I can dig out any specific memories, mm-hmm. but I know what it. I know what it feels like mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to. I don't. It's. It's like you know. You know when you belong somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, like there. There's reciprocal. Uh, there's a reciprocal relationship happening where like you're there and you're offering things and the other people around you are also offering things back to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and like, that's like, I, I know how that feels when, when I know I belong somewhere. And then there's also some things in my life and now I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, so I won't talk about these. Um, but, but times (laughs) when I, I have known that I just don't belong somewhere Mm -hmm. because that reciprocal relationship just isn't happening. Yeah. A lot of times there's either a sense of rejection or sometimes it is interesting how our systems read the sense of absence of belonging, that there's just nothingness there instead. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Andy, anything come to mind for you? Uh, well, maybe this is just, just a revelation for me as an adult um, <laughs> oh, that most of my life, particularly childhood, adolescence, 
was not really cognizant of the where I belong, but definitely cognizant of the where I don't belong. Like Mm -hmm. definitely mindful of the I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not so much when I did belong somewhere was I really cognizant of it. Not until probably more so Mm -hmm. in my mid midlife years yeah no that makes sense yeah and developmentally that's appropriate to some degree right like your system reads intimacy as its work when you're in your 20s and above and so that makes a like some sense to me as far as the way your system was made i would say andy wow how powerful to have us sit here and say oh goodness maybe we should like verbally and non-verbally help children see their belonging a little bit more you know like let them know that they have a space here our culture isn't great with that right and so that's maybe some place that we can enter as christians to have a powerful impact for the kids in our life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes okay so now i'm going to ask what does belonging look like (laughs) right right okay so (laughs) i have a couple stories that come to mind for me um and you know my apologies, I got a jump start because you sent me the question. So I've been thinking about this more, but uh, <laughs> I had two that came to mind really strongly. And I would say um, this is not therapy, but as a tip to the listener, uh, in the branch of therapy that is somatic awareness, which means body awareness, right? Just pay attention as we talk about the concept of belonging and I and we ask for like an image or memory of belonging, like where you feel that in your body, because that gives you a lot of information and then for when you are looking for belonging to be able to understand how your body reads it. Like for me, belonging is a like when we say that word, even there's like a, a feeling across my shoulders that like encompasses my shoulders, right? It's almost like what happens when you have a hug from a parent um, when you're little, right? And, and they, their, their arms are right there. Um, and I, I don't know if that's where it comes from. I don't know if it's a uh, from the spiritual understanding that God is holding me. I don't know. But knowing kind of how your body reads different things like this is very helpful then for being able to seek it out and find what is the feedback that you need for that then. Um, and so my first memory is when I was in high school, um, I had a group of friends that I hung out with, mostly girls, a couple guys. Uh, it's interesting because at the time, I'm not sure I understood uh, that I belonged. You know, I think I thought I was maybe on the outskirts of this group a little bit. Um, there were definitely moments where I felt disincluded, even though I don't think that's what was probably going on most of the time. Uh, it was just like, you know, teenage egocentricness, if you will, that's appropriate. <laughs> Um, but we would make these videos and, uh, we made one called the snake light and you take those like, you know, silly lights that are made to do like car work in your engine and stuff. And it was like, we created this whole like, um, thriller about the snake light coming after us. And we would stay up far too late and put too many weekends worth of work on like these. I mean, these were video cameras with actual videotapes in them and we would edit them. (laughs) It was a production. Um, but I just remember making those videos and someone yelling cut and us doing the thing and just really feeling like these are my people, you know, like that this is a space that I can take up room in. This is where I belong. Um, and so I would I would say that's one memory I have. The second memory I have is much smaller. 
but more strong even. And that is at our church in Ludington. Um, when you take communion, people walk back to their pew and almost universally look you in the eyes and smile or wave at you, which is definitely different than anything I've experienced before. Um, and I feel like I belong when people do that. I haven't identified or done the work to understand why <laughs> quite so much. Um, but for me, that is a place where I feel that sense, like this is my space. These are my people. I am not. And I think a lot of times it's almost in that negative inner um, imagery of like, I am not left out here. Instead, this is the opposite of the negative feeling of brokenness inside of me. Um, and so I think belonging looks like especially some of those strongest moments for you. I, I do think it's a little bit individualized. Um, that said, I think it certainly is the polar opposite of that feeling of left out, left to my own devices, no help, um, and that sort of thing. So then how does brokenness complicate this belonging? <laughs> This is a, probably a many-folded answer, but I'm going to give you a two-fold answer to this. Um, I think one is that we um, will mess up belonging. You know, we'll, we'll try our best, and it will be a a, a big hot mess. Uh, because when one person's sin is in the room, it's challenging. When there's a, a more than one person, it's even more challenging. And then when you're talking about a group right? You're talking about many people's sin, rotating in and out and all of that fun stuff. And so I think it's that's going to complicate belonging, that there will be hurtful words, uh, that there will be times that we drop the ball, if you will, and don't help someone feel included. Um, and so I think all those four realms of brokenness at the beginning of the book, um, well, let's say the first three realms especially, are are present in the concept of belonging, um, and that hurts. I would say that fourth realm of brokenness, which is that awareness that brokenness exists, is another place. And that's the, the twofold piece of the answer, is that I think that belonging for us is also never enough. Like, we can get all the belonging we want and need, and it will never be enough for us. Um, and so I think that is one unique way that brokenness complicates belonging. Uh, for some reason, in the fall into sin, in our own um, brokenness, it is very hard for us to to ever be fulfilled, you know, to ever feel like it's complete. And part of that has to do probably for the longing of Christ to return, the longing for full restoration. And even that gets a little messed up in our system. And so we seek more and we always feel like we're the party that's left out, even when um, we've been given so much. And, and I don't mean to like throw out messages of ingratitude at people. This is hard stuff. Like we all struggle with it. Um, but knowing that brokenness comes in here strong because I don't think we'll ever feel quite fulfilled in this area is important. And it helps us to keep walking into it even when we feel jilted or left out or isolated. In Finding hope from brokenness to restoration. You also use the term reconnection. What is reconnection? Mm, that's a really good question. I might have to look up my own information. <laughs> like I think I skipped over that. Like, when did I write that? I don't write. Well, okay. So if the building block of relationship is connection, 
I think it's important to understand that there's going to be this um, like disconnection in small and large ways, right? And this is what we experienced with God in the fall into sin. Humanity had a disconnection and God presented us with a reconnection that we don't have to stay in that disconnection. And so then the same is true for us. We're going to have disconnections in our relationships with one another as well and in our relationship with God. Excuse me. And so we uh reconnection is uh something i think we push against a lot like we want the story to be over for some reason when we feel that sense of disconnection uh but you know because the brokenness exists uh we need reconnection and because the brokenness exists it's exactly what we don't want you know <laughs> we want to not have to do that work we are taking a look at finding hope from brokenness to restoration today, talking about connection and belonging with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for Mental Health Monday. We need to take a quick break. When we come back from that break, we'll continue our conversation. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We're digging into Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration, the book by Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. And we are looking at the chapter on connection and belonging. And um, what are, we talked about connection and reconnection. Uh, What are some examples of confusion about um, connection or reconnection and how this world muddies connection or reconnection? Mm, I think so often the the reconnection and and listen to the word reconnection is based in grace and oftentimes we instead want it to be based in like our strength or our abilities or our social skills you know and and it just isn't instead um the world lacks a lot of accountability um and and so does church i think when we want community and authentic connection and this sense of belonging which honestly i believe that sense of belonging is really the secret sauce of the church that we have in our world particularly today i think it's probably universal across time but man look around you um i mean the surgeon general calls it a loneliness epidemic right um it's this is something we have is community and connection and a sense of belonging is something we can offer. But in places where there's very little accountability, it's very hard to to find it. It's very hard uh, to feel that sense of safety. And it's hard for the grace to come in because we're so busy not 
being accountable for our actions. We're so busy um, finding it hard to just admit that we're wrong or that we're a mess. Um, And so I think that that is where the confusion comes in often, is that grace is usually where the good stuff is found of connection and belonging, Um, not, not the first try and not the seventh and not certainly not in our own strength. Mm-hmm. How do those struggles that we all have in our relationships, how can those actually have some meaning mm-hmm. in these relationships? Mm-hmm. I do not know how to convince people that this is true. <laughs> I, I feel like this is, this is why therapy exists is to help people find the meaning. Um, and, a meaning is such a powerful thing in brokenness uh, because without meaning, brokenness just feels heavy. But with the meaning and the hope coming into it, then it feels like something more, um, that this isn't all there is, that you know whether God's doing something with it or he's doing something instead of it, uh, that meaning-making is really powerful. I would say the number one thing I see associated with meaning is personal narrative, and the number two thing is witnessing. Okay, let me explain those terms. Number one is um, personal narrative, and by that I mean both for you as an individual, but you as a community. So if I can tell my story, I will be like coherently, I will be able to find greater meaning in it. This is researched fact. Um, That is also true for communities. So for instance, if you have a family and your family can tell their story and Visual Faith Ministries talks about this a lot. Pat Meyer, Connie Denninger, I just attended a talk by them and they were saying, you know, their work in Visual Faith Ministries is to help families tell their faith story because that brings a greater sense of meaning then and a greater sense of belonging in those relationships. Um, The same is true for churches or any other kind of piece of community. When we can tell our coherent story of who we are together, um, that will build belonging and it will also build meaning in our lives. The second piece is witnessing, and that is actually like the flip side of the narrative. So witnessing is a term in therapy for hearing someone's story. So especially when kids are doing play therapy or in internal family systems therapy, which is um, an, an individualized therapy based on our, our wounded parts, our exiles, they call them, and our protector parts inside of us. When I witness your story with that, when a kid plays out their story or shows me their story in a sand tray even, then they have greater meaning in it. And the beautiful thing is I do too. And so God is always working meaning in surprising ways, but I would say narrative and um, like witnessing each other's narratives are two of the um, ways that we find that meaning through the struggle more strongly in those relationships. In this chapter, you use the terms law and gospel, which are pretty familiar to Lutherans. (laughs) Um, So how does the application of law and gospel differ in relationships? Hmm. Um, I think that we often see ourselves like so individualistically. Um, And so law and gospel especially, I think we can begin to understand how they are applied to ourselves. 
you know, like I did something wrong and God forgave me. Um, or sometimes we have a real challenge applying it to ourselves. Uh, but then those also work within our our horizontal relationships. Uh, the the forgiveness is going to be just as necessary in my relationships on this earth as they are between me and God. Uh, that is part of having a relationship is uh, having sin and having forgiveness, having brokenness and needing hope. And so when I think um, about my relationships, then I also have to consider the different context of each relationships. And as I'm saying this, I'm like listening like a listener and thinking about how much work this sounds like. <laughs> like it just, you know, sometimes I think when we talk about relationships, all of a sudden, three quarters of the way through the discussion, we're like, well, now I'm just tired. I can't, like, I can't try to make my relationships better. I just want the listener to know that I see you. <laughs> like it is effort, but also the Holy Spirit is at work. That law and gospel that God works in our lives and in his word, he is also doing between us. And so sometimes when I get tired, to remember that all I need to do is rest back in God and sit with his word and be tended to is just as helpful so that I can then go and continue uh, to bring that law and gospel into my relationships. And so I'm going to do that maybe a little differently with my kids than I would with my spouse. I'm going to do that differently with my coworkers than I am with my most close and intimate friend, right? So being aware of, I think, where the law and gospel is in the relationship is good, but understanding that that likely looks and the verbiage and stuff is going to look different too, um, depending on the intimacy of who I communicate with. There, I cannot hold account accountability for the grocery store checker the same way that I can with my spouse. You know, um, and just being aware of that is really helpful. Mm -hmm. You mentioned earlier that that we're all in this epidemic of loneliness, which just sounds very sad. Um, what <laughs> is, this is a Debbie Downer episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what is how do we understand loneliness and and what is God's response to this loneliness? Mm -hmm. I. I think the Psalms are helpful for this, as they are helpful for all of these kind of emotional terms, if you will, um, and lamentations. Um, but even the narratives of Scripture, you you see the the impact of these. That it it isn't just us. That this is the state of humanity is loneliness. You know, it it is not good in our culture today, as far as loneliness and isolation goes. But I don't I don't know that we can blame the internet for that. I think this is really the way it's been. And the the psalmists lament, you know, how much they feel alone and abandoned. Um, and when we pay attention to that again, then it's a little normalized. And when things are normalized, then they're they're manageable. Uh, Mr. Rogers says, whatever is mentionable is manageable. And I think when mm -hmm. we see things mentioned in God's word, then we feel like we can manage them a little bit better. Um, and so loneliness, I I use a definition from uh, the book Together. And this is a semi-recent um, text that opens up the concept of loneliness based on research to be more comprehensive than just, I feel alone because I, you know, I don't have the support I need. It identifies that there's different types of loneliness. And I think paying attention to the type of loneliness you're experiencing might be helpful in being able to 
work toward reaching out for the solution to that loneliness. Of course, God is always the solution to anything at its foundation. Um, when I am lonely, when the world disappoints, God is with me. He is my friend. He is my comfort. He is my helper. He is my counselor. Uh, scripture uses those exact words. And so that foundation is really important, and that is God's response. Um, however, he gives more grace is also what scripture says. And so in that, what are those other places of hope that God reaches into my world with? Um, the three different kinds of loneliness that I identified on page 116 of the book, if someone has the book, is emotional, social, and collective. Um, that emotional is that sense of heart absence of heart and soul connection, which that is actually a direct reference to the story of Jonathan's armor bearer. If you look in the Old Testament, um, there's this, this really interesting back and forth where uh, Jonathan is looking for a specific thing and the armor bearer says, I am with you heart and soul. And I think that's something a lot of times emotionally that we're looking for. The next is social, which is more uh, like mind-oriented, a little bit more intellectual, that we want to have that rapport and the back and forth with someone. Um, and then there's collective, which is what we're talking about, especially in these uh, the episode last week and this one, is the absence of a sense of belonging in a bigger community. Collective is that loneliness that comes from not having a group of people. Um, I have a blog on my website, HeidiGaiman.com, called I'm in the Circle. And I would refer you to that article I think it's a helpful one in understanding our deep desire and need that I do think is from God to be to have a circle of people from that definition earlier that says like they're going to show up for me that I'm not dependent on just this one source of support instead I have this group to be with and involved in um, and certainly that's awesome when that's our church. Sometimes we'll need to find that in other circles um, in different ways, uh, but certainly we want to see our churches working toward and places within our churches working toward being that for other people in this loneliness epidemic, if you will. And God's response is to bring those things to us. Um, I think that we sometimes need other people to point them out and to be that for us when it's hard to see. Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration by Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. You can find it from Concordia Publishing House, Connection and Belonging. Great discussion today. We have more to continue the conversation next week. Heidi, thank you so much for the great insights on Connection and Belonging today. Oh, I cannot wait for our friendship talk next week. Yay. Yes. <laughs> You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Oh,